Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Let me give you a quick programming update. Uh, we will continue the program as normal here today. In just a moment, we'll be speaking with John Huber, U.S. Attorney for the District of Utah. Uh, very much looking forward to that conversation. But I want to tell you, too, that we just got word that at any moment uh, we will have access to the farewell address uh, to be delivered by uh, President Donald Trump, outgoing President Trump. Uh, it's just been uh, revealed to us that at any moment we should have our hands on that video. Uh, not sure anything beyond that. I, I don't know if this will be a recorded video, uh, you know, released via YouTube or something like that. I, as I first got word, I thought, well, where, where could this air? You know, uh, Twitter's not an option. I don't think Facebook is an option for the, the president. I am aware though that the White House YouTube channel is still active. That, in fact, is where we first heard that message from First Lady Melania Trump just the other day. And if you've had opportunity to uh, to you know to see that, you'll know what I'm talking about. We played some of it uh, here on the air, but at any moment we may uh, have access for you to the farewell address of President Donald Trump. And when we have that, uh, we'll get it queued up and, and play it for you here. In the meantime, though, let's get to the conversation at hand. Uh, John Huber, again, joins me, U.S. Attorney for the District of Utah. Mr. Huber, sir, welcome to the program. How are you? Hello, Lee. I'm doing well. It's great to be with you again. It's always great to have you on the air here. The insight that you offer from your position is uh, is always very welcome and informative. Let me ask you this. you, As you look at the goings-on around the country right now, in particular uh, security at the Utah Capitol and the U.S. Capitol, where, from your position, where are your eyes resting? What are you paying the closest attention to? Well, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, th- there's no holding back in our preparations nationally and here in the state. And what we're doing is we're looking for, we're targeting violent and dangerous criminal behavior. This has nothing to do with free speech or lawful protest. Uh, that's more than welcome in America, always has been. But when people use protest as a mask to hide their violent intentions and, and eventual offenses, that's where we zero in, in Utah law enforcement, federal law enforcement uh, across the nation. 
you've been in the field of law enforcement for some time, uh, and I feel like you know, in my you know relatively short career thus far, there has been in like the past year or so a dramatic, in the past few weeks in particular, a dramatic uptick in people's usage of the word extremism. Uh, I, when I historically have thought about extremism that's not something that i you know envision here on our shores but rather you know some other country you know where the the government is unstable and where you know people are fighting for their lives uh, extremism is not a, is not a local thing why why are we hearing so much more of it now and have i just been deaf to the realities of recent years well i think in utah generally we're spared from it but personally lee for the past 15 years, I've specialized in prosecuting cases against extremists, whether they be on the left end of the, the spectrum or the right end of the, of the spectrum. And, you know, last week I was on a call, a nationwide call with the Department of Homeland Security and FBI director. And we talked about and they talked about that domestic extremists are our biggest concern right now. Bigger than ISIS, bigger than uh, radical uh, Islamic movements. It's people who live here in the United States and their ability to foment violence with little or no warning is of greatest concern to us. And, you know, when we look at extremism, um, if you look at last year, uh, May 30th in Salt Lake City, I think a common perception is that that event, those riots were left wing extremists. And then if you fast forward to two weeks ago, January 6th at our nation's capital, I think a common perception is that those people were right-wing extremists. And if you consider the arc of the political spectrum uh, and you look at the far left and the far right, eventually those points meet back and it becomes a distinction without a difference. An extremist is an extremist, whether they're anti-government or they're – they're anti-establishment or they're anarchists, they start looking the very same when they start attacking our institutions and attacking us. Sure. Uh, justice being blind and all. Uh, are, are there differing tactics when you are investigating? You, you mentioned the distinction uh, without a difference uh, between the the extreme left and the extreme right and the extremists themselves that exist on those two ends of the spectrum. Are there are, are there organizational tactics different? Not so much. We use an objective criteria. It's called the law. The law applies to everyone. And when you use that objective boundary that we all stay within, and when we stay within it, it's a safe harbor for whatever idea we may have. But when we step outside of the law to impose our worldview on others through force, violence, or intimidation, it's of no moment to us in law law enforcement what your political persuasion is. When you violate the law to impose and press your worldview on the rest of us, then we're going to meet and we're going to meet in the courtroom. I know you can't offer comment on any uh, on any specifics, any cases that you're working on. So let me just ask you this generally, if you're comfortable answering. Are you busy these days? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, we are very busy, Lee. And I think that should be of comfort to all the great listeners on your program is that there are people, uh, highly trained uh, men and women of federal, state, local, tribal law enforcement who wake up every day, who like their job, and their job is to protect us and to keep us safe. And it's my privilege to work with them. And uh, from the command center at the state capitol to the command center at our local FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, 
there are men and women who are working very hard right now to protect us and our institutions and our resources. Do things calm down? Will, uh, after the inauguration and after we settle into the new administration and uh, a new year, as we start getting hopefully closer to the end of the coronavirus era, do, do you predict things calm down at all? You know, we, we started the year, which usually we try to start with optimism. We started with quite an obstacle on January 6th. But I remain an optimist, even working with the dark subjects that I work with. I'm always an optimist that our nation will prevail, cooler heads will prevail, that here in this mountain sanctuary where we get to live in Utah, that we'll be safe from a lot of these influences. And as time wears on, I think the cooler heads will prevail, moderation will prevail, and uh, we're going to be okay. I share in your optimism. I sure hope it uh, turns into a reality. Uh, any advice you'd give to folks who, who would like to see that same thing? Anything uh, maybe as we look in our own homes or in our own hearts that uh, would hopefully move us towards uh, more than optimism but rather reality? We call it a stovepipe. You can call it uh, blinders. We need to step outside of our of our of our small world sometimes to at least try to appreciate the view of our neighbor and uh, see things from a different perspective. And the more we do that, the less hate there will be. It's hard to hate when we're up close with someone, when we share a one-on-one or we listen to someone sincerely. It's hard to then hate them and want to hurt them. So if we can open ourselves up to new and fresh perspectives, we don't have to agree with them. But if we can try to see the world through their eyes, we're going to be better off in a healthier society. John Huber, U.S. Attorney for the District of Utah, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for sharing with us uh, all you are up to today and how you're seeing things around us. Thank you. Thanks, Lee. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.